Today's scripture reading comes from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. First of all, Happy New Year, everyone. We have missed you all, or a number of you who are gone and traveling throughout uh, the vacation and during the holiday season. I thought, as some of you know, we've been going through the Gospel of John, I thought it would be a, um, helpful to preach through something a little different for the next two weeks. And it's going to be the topic of decision-making. I figured some of you might be making some significant decisions in 2024. Maybe some of you aren't making significant decisions, but I would say almost all of us are going to making some sort of secondary, tertiary, sometimes primary decisions. And there are many passages of scripture that refer to this topic, but Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 to me is one of the most significant passages that deals with this topic. So what I'd like to do is look at decision-making through this uh, text. And just to summarize it for you so that you'll remember, I'm going to use the word tap to help you to remember. It's pretty basic because it's straight off of the passage itself. The first, when we think about decision-making, is trust, verse 5. Second is acknowledgement, verse 6. And then third is paths. So we're going to look first at trust this week, and then next time, the latter two aspects of decision-making. The first and primary sort of uh, foundation upon which we make decisions is trusting in the Lord. I think you see that very clearly in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And in that verse, verse 5, there are sort of two pillars of what it looks like to trust. The first pillar of trust is positive and the second is negative. And this first positive pillar rests on the character of the one you are trusting in. For example, if you've been married for 80 years, I, I don't think anyone here has been married for 80 years, but perhaps you know someone like this. They've been married for 80 years, a man or a woman, and let's say that their spouse has never been once unfaithful, not in their words, not in their actions, not in their heart. For 80 years, they have been a person of soul devotion, of genuine sacrifice of extraordinary kindness, beautiful romance, compassion. So such a person, you would say, is trustworthy in their character. So it would be a little bizarre if that 80-year-old couple and this 100-year-old man were to suddenly accuse his wife of 100 years old of having an affair with a 25-year-old delivery man. I think we would all say, that is strange. That doesn't make sense. Sort of the message of Proverbs 3.5. It's saying that when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, what you're doing is you're trusting in his not 80 years of faithful character, but of infinite, eternal character of faithfulness. When you see the name of the Lord in capital letters in verse 5, that's significant because it's referring to the Hebrew word Yahweh, which is God's covenant word for himself to say, 
I will keep my promises. I have historically. Um, I have been faithful to Israel in delivering them out of Egypt. Uh, I've um, walked with them. I have been a person promising all that I do and fulfilling those promises. And so whenever scripture uses this idea of God as Lord, he's saying, look at who I am historically and my character and my nature. I will not let you down. Now you might be wondering, how do we grow in this understanding of who God is? The primary way is his word. And so some of you perhaps in this new year, you have made a resolution maybe to read the Bible more and maybe you're trying a new Bible reading plan. That's wonderful. As long as it doesn't just simply be a bunch of boxes that you check off and say, okay, I did my duty, I did my job. When we read scripture, it's not about trying to fulfill our obligations as a Christian. It's not actually about how do I make decisions? And I, I do think that some of us think that the Bible's greatest purpose is to help us to live our life. And I would say that's a, a fruit of what scripture says, but it's not our, the primary purpose of God's word. The primary purpose of God's word is to know who he is, to know his character. And Proverbs here is saying this. It's saying, that you must care more about knowing who he is than even the decision that you're making. In fact, if you don't make that your ultimate pursuit, you will make unwise choices. If you trust him, that is the Lord and his proven character, you can't go wrong. But if you try to figure out what does God want from me, and by the way, so often you might hear that. The Bible is a place where you try to find out God's will. There's a theologian, um, his name is Bruce Waltke, and he wrote a book, Finding God's Will, and then it has this subtitle, A Pagan Notion. And the reason he says that, and I totally agree with him, is that there's nowhere in the Bible where the, the purpose of scripture is to find out God's will as though it's hiding behind some door, or playing hide and seek with you, and you have to somehow try to figure out through clues and through a scavenger hunt where God's will is. That's more superstition than it is the Christian Bible and God's word. Instead, we're told that as you pursue knowing him, you will make wise choices. That's a corollary or a fruit of what it means to trust in him. But if we make the decision itself, whether it's to succeed or to fail, to prosper or perhaps go through times of suffering, if we're seeking a promotion at work, or maybe we've gone through a demotion at work, if we're trying to figure out, is this the man I should marry? Is this the woman I should marry? If that's the end goal of why you're pursuing God, reading scripture, then might I add that you'll probably make the wrong choice, at least from the perspective of God himself. What we so often pursue is not knowing God, but having God rubber stamp our already made choice. And, God, and just saying to God, God, I've chosen this, now bless my decision. So that's this concept of trust is 
the first positive, important point. We trust this character. The second is a negative, the second pillar of this decision-making process. We're not to lean on our own understanding, as we see in verse 5. Because our natural instinct, by the way, is to lean on our own understanding. That's how, by default, we go into decision-making. We do all the research. We um, maybe talk to people. We uh, read. We go on the internet. Maybe we, if we're considering a man or a woman, we, we just find out as much information as we can about the person. We go on dates and we say, okay, after all this, weigh the pros and cons, then you make a choice. But as to the Lord, it's, I've decided, now Lord, would you bless me in it? That's what it means when Proverbs says we're leaning on our own understanding. We're depending on that will and personal experience to figure out whether this is right before God's eyes. And the way that this leaning will fail us, you'll see it especially during times of trial because that type of leaning is not intended to be what holds you up in the end. When I was in eighth grade, I broke my leg in two places. And I was in a, you know, this is sort of the ancient times of medical science when it came to broken limbs. For those of you who broke your legs when you were young, you know. I was in a cast for six months. And my, just, my leg shriveled. And, you know, unlike today where you break something, it's start walking immediately. Start therapy now. Back then, it was stay off as much as possible. So it was, you know, it was difficult. But I learned how to navigate through uh, walking with crutches pretty well, I would say, all considering. My house has uh, a long flight of stairs, about 20 steep stairs. And I was walking around with my crutches, doing really well. And I, usually I was a little bit, you know, I put my crutches on my side and hop down. But one day I thought, you know what, I'm pretty skilled with these crutches. I can make it down. So I started literally going, moving, and I lost my balance, and I tumbled down all 20 stairs with a broken leg, splat onto the floor. My mom came screaming out, amazingly, only my pride was hurt. <laughs> not not, my, uh, not my, the rest of my body, which is God's kindness. Um, but I think of leaning our, on our own understanding like that. You, you have this sense of pride. Oh, I know what I'm doing. And we lean on this crutch that whether it's our own knowledge, our own experience, our own affections, our feelings, and we think this can hold me up until it doesn't, until you come crashing down. That's the warning of Proverbs 5. And when we consider some decisions that perhaps you're in the midst of making, some of you are younger and I know when you're young, you want to you want to have a husband, you want to have a wife, you want to have a boyfriend, you want to have a girlfriend. You're thinking, wow, can I, you're pursuing this. Maybe you're thinking, is this the person for me? When we consider this, how often are we trusting in the Lord as the primary means by which we make that choice? Or do we find ourselves actually, if we're honest with ourselves, leaning on our own understanding? How do I feel? Do they have the common interests that I have? Are they, do they have a good personality? What are their parents like? And all, again, not bad things to consider, but should they be primary? Is that all that matters? 
when we lean on that, when we depend on it, the danger is we come crashing down. I've seen many a marriage where initially as boyfriend and girlfriend, everything seems to be well. They never fight. Whenever a couple comes to me and says, we never fight, and they've been married, I mean, they've been dating for two years, I think. I just sit there and in my heart, smile and laugh, but say, you know, that day will come. And when it comes, it will come crashing. And that's the, that's the challenge. It's this idea that we lean on our own understanding, making choices and considerations without weighing what happens when trial happens. When we are making decisions, we rightly research. We should. But we must not think that our well-researched pros and cons will lead to possibly the best choice. I can't tell you how many times people have been offered a promotion or a job, but it requires a move to a new location. And as someone who, and we all live in a high cost uh, of living area, isn't it quite tempting when you hear about someone who has moved to Texas or to Florida or to Idaho? that they're buying a home that costs $200,000 and it's you know, 4,000 square feet with three acres of land and you think, I just wanna do that. I wanna go there. You know, the, the idea of moving or perhaps for the advancement of a career, lower cost of living, perhaps the state government that you're moving to matches your values better. But be forewarned. There is a real consideration when it comes to considering all of these factors as the, mean, the primary means by which we give away our heart. There's a book of late written by some sociologists called The Great Dechurching. And it was written to examine COVID and post-COVID movement of people away from the church primarily of Gen Zers, but even millennials, more and more people are turning away, not just from the church, but turning away from Christ and the gospel. And so as they've been examining it, one of the key factors of people turning away from the gospel is moving. Michael Lawrence, in reviewing the book, he writes this, moving is one of the most dangerous things a churchgoer can do. Why is this the case? I really believe it's because of Proverbs 3, 5. It's not to say that moving is inherently wrong, but really the question is, what's happening? Is it trusting in the Lord or leaning on your own understanding? And might I suggest that more often than not, our instinct is to lean on our own understanding. It takes a lot to actually submit yourself to actually put the Lord and what he considers optimal for you and your family over what is practical, what is right before your eyes, which is prosperity and comfort. We're told in Proverbs 21.2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. We are to use experiences and intellect and emotions when we make decisions. It's not to say don't use them, but what Proverbs is saying, don't trust in them. Don't entrust yourself to them. Instead, the opposite, trust in the Lord. And those are in contrast. 
Don't entrust yourself to your own understanding because every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But entrust yourself to who God is. And so here's the question. How do we make these type of choices that reveal in some way a level of trust before God? There's a really, I'm not going to be able to give an exhaustive list of characteristics, but I'll give a few. The first is that we need the counsel of those around us. That's really substantial. It's so significant. You know, we should have people around us who are also trusting in the Lord. And that's what the opportunity we have as a church is to come together and say, we're on this journey together. We're pursuing Christ and none of us perfectly knows him. But what we can say is that I am trusting presently in the Lord, but in order for me to continue on that trusting, I need others who are trusting because sometimes I will lean on my own understanding. And sometimes I need a group of people who are, I can say, here I'm I'm weighing this decision. Am I trusting in the Lord or am I leaning on my own understanding? We're told in Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. That's our instinct. We always think we're right. We always uh, consider that when we feel something, we should act on it. But a wise person seeks out counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14 sort of adds a little layer to this. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Now, I think this is actually pretty important when it comes to seeking counsel is, I would say there's some, there's significant value to seeking more than one person who is trusting the Lord. Because the fact of the matter is that I have maybe a bias, maybe I want such a person to not leave and therefore my instinct to say, no, no, you shouldn't move. But if let's say numerous people who knows this person, loves this person, and actually is trusting and following the Lord and all of them say, you know what, we consider that decision and we would really highly recommend not doing it. It could be dating such and such a person. The person who is able to see that and listens and considers the counsel of the many, there is safety. That safety to be able to say, actually, maybe I should walk the way that they're recommending because by doing so, I will be trusting in the Lord. Now, it takes a lot for that person to to, um, surrender themselves to that. I really want to commend you this. If you have such people in your life, ask them the question, especially when you're about to go through a decision, is there... I want you to be honest with me. Tell me exactly what you think, and I don't care if I don't like it. (laughs) I don't care if it goes against, rubs me the wrong way. I want you to tell me what you think exactly. Because I find that most of us, you know, for really, for good reasons, we will be a little bit gentle about responding. Sometimes, though, we we don't really say what's on our heart because we don't want to seem antagonistic or even hurt the person's feelings. And so we don't actually share what we really believe. Instead, we'll tell someone else what we really believe. And then to that person, we'll say, you don't really say what you believe. This is all because we're not 
in a place where we're trusting the Lord together on a journey. And when we're doing that together, there is a place for each one of us to say, I want you to speak into my life exactly what you see. Now, again, I, this is where I think the counsel of the many is really significant because that person might, again, have a bias or maybe could be wrong. But if you're asking five different people whom you trust, who you know love the Lord, and they all are essentially saying the same thing, then I think there is, it would behoove you to consider what they're saying. And if you simply ignore it, here in Proverbs eleven fourteen says you're in a dangerous place. There's safety with the abundance of counselors, which the opposite would be true is if you're ignoring them, then there's danger. What is the danger? The danger is you're leaning on your own understanding. If many of your friends are warning against the career change, if they're warning against someone you're dating or about to marry, if, and you just simply disregard their advice, this is leaning. And this leaning is like this crutch that I was using. When I'm on the top of the stairs, and I think, oh, well, I can do this. I don't need to listen to anyone. And my mom said, don't go down the stairs with your crutches. It's dangerous. And I say, well, you don't know anything. I'm so skilled. I'm really good at this. And suddenly I'm at the top, oh, tumbling down. Decision-making exactly like that. We decide for ourselves, I don't need anyone's advice. I can do this all by myself. And we come tumbling down the stairs to our doom. So we... Um, we have this counsel, we need it. Second, we are to live in this tension of trust. Verse five is a tension. The tension of trusting God and leaning not on your own understanding. This means we have to take steps of trust. And sometimes taking the step of trust means you don't actually see what's out in front of you. The Lord is there holding you, but you don't have it all figured out. You know, as you saw the video, we, we went to do that one activity called free fall where you have to step off. I was down at the bottom filming, and um, it was only about 40 feet. So I was just thinking, oh, come on, that's, you kids are, I, I, I didn't do it because I was scared. <laughs> but I, I was quickly to judge them. Oh, come on, it can't be so bad. It was only like 40 feet. But I, I would talk to all of them, and as you saw, and say, how was it? And they'd all say, Wow, it was hard to take that first step off. Here's why. Because you have to trust something. What are you trusting? Two things. The person, the operator who put that harness on and the harness itself. And you're thinking, I'm assuming, because I didn't do it, that the, can this harness hold my body weight? That's a lot to trust. Trust is always rooted on the person or thing who is out to protect you from harm. So when you're making a major decision, you're always making a choice between the first part of verse five, trust in the Lord, and the second part, don't trust in yourself. Lean not on your own understanding. And that is so hard to do, isn't it? It's hard because we know who we are, at least we think we do, we know our experiences, we have a mind, we're figuring all this out, we, we uh, create our list of pros and cons, cost-benefit analysis, we're just trying to figure it all out, and by the end of it, you say, all right, I'm ready to go. 
That's sort of how we think of it. But scripture shows us that that's a dangerous path without God. Judges 21, 25 says, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And by the way, if you read Judges, that leads only to terrible things. Proverbs 26, 12, do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. It is incredibly hard to step outside of yourselves, to actually choose a path that is not, at least externally from what you see, the most prosperous path to your life. If you have been offered um, a career move that could actually be substantial, and you take it, you say, well, I have to take it. If I didn't, I'd be a fool. I'm, I, I'm getting a bonus of this much money and this raise and this promotion at work and these many, many more responsibilities. And I get to do what I want. And by the way, I've heard that so many times. And then five years later, I hear they're totally doing nothing like what they moved for. It's completely different. Or they lost their job and were laid off. It happens but we place so much of our hope and value and say, this is definitely of the Lord. Because look, it's more prosperous. Therefore, God wants me to take it. Therefore, that's the path I should take. And by the way, there's nothing in the Bible that shows that that's God's will. So our instinct is always to act in what is, to do what is right in our own eyes. Third, we trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, when you trust, you can't hold back a foot of your trust. You have to give everything. And during that free fall, there was one mentor, adult, who couldn't do it, besides me, by the way. And um, they, they put on the harness, they uh, went up to the top, were pretty confident because I talked to her <laughs> and she is married to me and um, and she said to me I put it on I was ready to go it's every I mean it's like oh it's no big deal and then she looked over and said I, I can't do it you know I mean, you could put on the harness your brain could say oh it's no problem but once you take that foot you can give half your foot, you can take your foot off the platform, but if you don't fully go, you're not trusting. You see what I mean? There's no in-between. You either go or you don't go. But that's the problem with the way that we think of trust. We think of decision-making as, well, I intellectually believe, but my heart's not really there. No, what the Lord says here is when you trust in him, it has to be everything. All your heart, all, all. And heart, when scripture uses the word heart, it just means will, mind, every part of you. So you can't hold back your trust. You can't say, well, I'll trust with my brain, but not with my heart. You can't say, I'll trust with my affections, but not with my brain. It's, you have to let go of all of it. And if you don't let go of all of it, then you don't really trust God at all. There's nothing in between. You either trust him or you don't. Just like, you either go off and step off the platform and do the ride, or you don't, no matter what you say. And so what causes us not to trust? Fear, worry, 
self-preservation. The instinct takes in. And so, yeah, literally talking to my wife, it's a great, I, I felt like it was a good metaphor to this process is that fear, suddenly it just takes hold. The instinct, the raw instinct that we all have of fright, of flight and um, flight, right? It's this idea that I don't, I can't do this. I don't want to do it. If it was about our own understanding, we wouldn't follow the Lord. That's what it boils down to, is that, again, the actions of research and considering pros and cons and thinking about your feelings and emotions, those are part of the process, but it's not ultimate. The danger is when we make them ultimate. And when we make them ultimate, we will not trust the Lord. That's the contrast. And so if you don't give your whole heart, you don't actually know him. And by the way, some of you in 2024 are going to be making some significant decisions. Some of you students are going to college. You're going to have to ask the question when exam time comes and it's, do I go to church or forget it and just study? That's a decision. That's a trust in the Lord decision. Sometimes it means turning down an internship because you're going to do some sort of ministry. Even though the internship you know that you turned down is, can be so instrumental to your career. Sometimes it means, should I be in this dating relationship? Should I continue and pursue? Should I say yes to him or no to him? But of course, there are many, many other choices. Some are significant. Some might be asking the question this year, should I take my loved one off of life support? That's a really life and death decision, literally. Whether you're making that choice today or tomorrow, next year or this year, the question of do you trust in the Lord or are you leaning on your understanding? I was talking to, um, and they allowed me to share this, I was talking to Joseph and Kendra about this when they were weighing different life choices of whether they should go for this drug therapy or get a bone marrow transplant. And they're asking me, what do you think about this? You know what my answer is? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It has an answer. Scripture has an answer to us. And it's not just about the small choices, it's all choices. And the foundational um, rubric by which we make a choice that is the most safe is the one that is most God-honoring. Trust him. Should I take a new position at work that pays more but requires much more responsibility? Should I put my kids into public school or private school or homeschool? Should I or my kids skip going to church so that they can study more? Take that SAT class, although they don't need it as much as they used to or perform at this competition, or compete at this sporting event so that they can be recruited. These are choices. These choices, I have to admit, as a parent, sometimes I've made them out of my own understanding. But by God's grace, sometimes it's trusting the Lord, and that tension is real. But I would say this, you should be battling your heart. If you're not actively engaged in hearing am I, and asking, am I trusting the Lord with this decision? Then 
you won't trust the Lord. You will lean on your understanding. If you're not asking, so the tension is always raging. And I'm not, I'm not here to say, so these choices, I don't think there's a, all, often a clear-cut right or wrong. But there is a trusting the Lord or not or leaning on your own understanding. And you know it. You know it. So here's, here's how you know it because of this next and most, you could say most vital uh, means by which we make these choices, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 16, 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So when he, the, when the Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, he resides in your heart and he convicts you of sin. He's telling you, hey, be careful here. He's actually saying I want you to really keep in mind this choice that you're making because you're leaning on your own understanding. You think that you're trusting the Lord, but you just want God to rubber stamp your prosperous decision. You have to make sure, and it's your very life is at stake. So trust him, depend on him. He's doing that. You know, the way the Holy Spirit does it is he, he impacts your conscience. You sense it. And I always think, those promptings that come when your conscience is bothered, don't think of that as just, oh, that's just a feeling. No, that's the Holy Spirit. He's convicting you. And the fact of the matter is, is that when we are pretty much uh, have decided in our heart to do something, we try to wall God off from our heart, the Holy Spirit. We try to deaden the work of the Spirit, the prompting. We, we say, we, we want to, you know, it's like you know something is wrong. And you just say, I just don't want to hear it because I want to do what I want to do. And so when you're brushing your teeth, suddenly the thought comes, hey, are you trusting the Lord? And you're thinking, I don't want to think that. <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. I want to, I want to be in this relationship. I think we all know, and I, maybe I'm, you know, maybe this is just, I know some of you are thinking of this, right? <laughs> you want to be in a relationship. And when you're, when you're in it is so hard to not be completely subsumed by it. It just takes over your heart. And so the last thing you want to hear is to say, is, are you trusting the Lord in this? For those of you with children who are pursuing excellence, that's a good thing. But I would imagine that so many of us are struggling with leaning on our own understanding in this. And so as you're dreaming as you're sleeping, suddenly you feel a prompting. It happens there. It happens walking down the street. It happens as you're sitting on the sidelines, staring at your child, making, you know, just not trying as hard as you think they should, and then you get so frustrated and angry. You say, what is wrong with you? And the Holy Spirit's saying, are you trusting the Lord? Or are you leaning on your own understanding? And then we say, Leave me alone, Lord. I got to correct this person. I got to get them to be better. I got to get them to be where they need to be. Because we have decided already not to follow Jesus, but to follow ourselves, we're going to find that that crutch, it will break, and we will go tumbling down. The Holy Spirit is the one who's saying, stop. Do not try this yourself. It is dangerous. What good is, it, good is it, he's saying, if 
You or they gain the whole world, but you lose your soul, or they lose their soul. Is it worth it in the end? For all of you who have trusted in God, I hope you can agree with A.W. Tozer when he says these words about God never failing us. He says this, pseudo-faith always arranges a way out to serve in case God fails it. We're always trying to say, just in case God you fail, I'll, I'll, I'll do all the work because I have a feeling you're gonna fail. <laughs> That's what A.W. Tozer is saying. We're always trying to sort of make up for God's faults. Real faith knows only one way and gladly allows itself to be stripped of any second way or makeshift substitutes. For true faith, it is either God or total collapse. And not since Adam stood up on the earth has God failed a single man or woman who trusted him. Faith, you either trust him or you completely don't. There's no in the middle. Either the harness holds and you're alive or the harness breaks and you die. There's nothing in the middle. You know who had to trust God the Father that way? The most. Jesus himself. He had to trust the Father. I think of Gethsemane. Think of that garden where Jesus is just in excruciating sorrow, bearing this coming weight he is so overwhelmed that he starts bleeding as he's sweating. The cross for him is too much to bear. And at that point of final decision, he asked the Lord, his God, his Father, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. But then this last part, yet not what I will, but what you will. And I think it's so important to see that Jesus uses the intimate calling of God, Abba. Every language has an intimate calling of their father, daddy, dad. That Abba, the reason why every language, literally every language has some sort of Abba, Abba, Papa, something like that, because that's what a baby says. They can't help. That's, it's usually Mama, Papa, right? One of the two. And so both... Mom and dad is always waiting and saying, what are you going to say first? What are you going to say first? Jesus is saying the most intimate words. This is who God is to him. He is Abba. He is Daddy. He is Abba. He is Pop. That's who Jesus is placing his trust in, even as he's about to make this extraordinarily difficult, one that he does not want to do decision. He trusts his character and, his, and who he is. And in that trust of his character, he's able to move forward to the cross, even though the cross is so much sorrow, pain, and suffering. My friends, this is the first foundation of decision-making. We trust the God in his character who has never let us down, who has given his own son to make sure that you will know that he is firm to his promises. He will never back down from them. When he says something, he fulfills it, always. One man, let me close with the story, who knew this well was Bishop Polycarp. As he was taken to the arena to be torn by animals, 
He was given one last chance. Curse Christ and you will be saved. This was Polycarp's response. And I hope it is ours as well as we are making decisions and we are trusting God. He said, 86 years have I served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? He's done me no wrong. He's been faithful. I've seen him at work. He's always provided. He's never let me go. He's never forsaken me. How could I ever curse him? I will always trust him no matter what. Even if I'm torn to shreds by lions, I will trust him. Oh, I hope you can make that type of choice because our God has made that choice for us. He went to that cross. God is faithful. He will not let you go. Let's pray together. Father, on this new year, we remember this great choice, this terrible choice that Jesus, you made so that we might have life. Help us to see, O oh Lord, that as we take of this bread and wine, that we do so remembering that you're faithful to your promises. Every time we doubt you, even if we decide to trust you and to follow you, even if we were to be torn to shreds, we would say, 86 years, you've been faithful. Even as I face this, this does not change my trust in you. I am safer with you than anywhere else. And the proof of that is Christ Jesus, our Lord. For those who have never trusted in Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would open their heart. Father, I pray for those who are making and preparing for decisions. Maybe we have been leaning on our own understanding way too much. It is not too late. We can repent, we can turn, and we can begin to trust. May we do so confident knowing that you are faithful to the end. We love you and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.